I was always told, my sponsor always told me, trust God, clean house, help others. So I, I took it literally. And so one day I had my toothbrush out and I was in my bathroom and I was cleaning around the toilet. And I was like, <gasps> and she called me and she said, well, what are you doing? I said, I'm cleaning house. <laughs> she said, She's like, oh my gosh, Roxanne. She said, no, honey, it's, you know, inside. It's, it's, it's an inside job. You know, you got to get that crap out. And then she'd, she'd always if tell me. only she's... keeping a clean house was all we needed to stay sober. <laughs> I heard it through the grapevine. Welcome. It's the AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour. Featuring the collected voices of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm Don, an alcoholic in Greensboro, North Carolina. Howdy, Don. Hey, everybody. I'm Sam, an alcoholic in Palm Springs, California. How you, Sam? Hey, Don, uh, what's your favorite AA concept? Don't drink and go to meetings. Well, that's good, but I'm talking about one of the 12 concepts for world service. Oh, I don't know those so well. Let me get out my trusty, super secret AA service manual here. (laughs) Number one, final responsibility and ultimate authority for AA world services should always reside in the collective conscience of our whole fellowship. So uh, it's kind of like everything else in AA, bottoms up. You are so bad. Oh, you know, my experience with the concepts was I had no clue about them. And then I got a service sponsor. What's a service sponsor, you say? That's what I'm asking. (laughs) A service sponsor is someone who is experienced in the 12 traditions and the 12 concepts, especially. Kind of like my sponsor taking me through the 12 steps. I sat down with my service sponsor and we went through the traditions and the concepts. And we did that also by going through the super secret service manual. That's not a secret, folks. (laughs) And then in Greensboro, North Carolina, the DCM and I started a weekly service manual study group called Service Nerds. And that is still going today. You can find that on Zoom, right? You sure can. And also there's one on the West Coast called the Lopsided Triangle. The Lopsided Triangle is a uh, fantastic group. I've been to that on Zoom. Today, we're talking about the May 2022 issue of the Grapevine magazine. There's a special section celebrating the 12 Concepts 60th anniversary with stories by members that bring the concepts alive. In the story, A.A. Will Catch Us, a woman in Arizona shares how the concepts help provide a beautiful safety net in her service work. In Making Things Possible, a man in Missouri writes about how much the concepts helped our fellowship during the pandemic. A woman in Florida tells how she'll never forget the night her group saw the concepts in action at the business meeting in Minority Herd. Yeah, I love the way AA respects the minority opinion. It's it's different than anything else in the rest of the world, it seems like. It's a unique Indeed. part of AA. There's also a story that I have to say hit home for me. A dad shares about how awful his addiction was. Knowing he was out of control drinking in front of his family, how horrible that was on Memorial Day. Well, mm. That's the day that I got sober. The same thing happened to me. 
that's the day that I went to my first AA meeting. I sure am glad you went, Don. I know that story about you, and it's a doozy. (laughs) Our guest today, Roxanne in North Dakota, has what is really an adventure story, stranded about getting stuck in a snowstorm. It's on page 30 of the May 2022 issue. No spoilers, no spoilers. I've got to say that that one brought a tear to my eye. It made me grateful to be in AA. I got to admit, my eyes were definitely a little damp after reading that one. It was good. It's good. Um, To close the show, we have uh, recruited some clever volunteers to help with this week's hilarious, rip-roarious wit's end joke. Well, I can't wait. I'm Roxanne, and I am a grateful alcoholic. I um, sobered up in Minnesota, but I now live in Bismarck, North Dakota. My home group is the six o'clock happy hour meeting. And but for the grace of God and the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous, I've been sober since October 29th of 2000. Hey, Roxanne, thank you so much for joining us. So what happened to you on that last day that made you willing to go to AA? Uh, The short of it or the long of it? (laughs) (laughs) What was going on inside of you that allowed you to do something as drastic as that? Well, I knew it wasn't normal, quote normal. I know normal is a setting on a washing machine, but I know that it wasn't normal to be throwing knives at each other. And Uh, that's a good point. Yeah. And to um, be yelling and to the point where all I wanted to do was die. I knew I had a problem prior to that, and I did go to meetings, but I screwed around and I didn't do what was expected. I went to meetings, drank between meetings. You know, I gave it a half measure effort because that's what I thought would work, and it didn't. I finally um, got a gift, the gift of desperation, in which I knew it was do or die time. Were you unsure if you were an alcoholic when you were going to meetings at the beginning? Absolutely not. I just didn't want to admit it because I would go to meetings and it just ticked me off because people were so happy and wonderful and they were just, you know, keep coming back. And I would look at them, I go, why, you know, you guys are happy. I thought they were all full of crap. And I would come in and I would sit down and I'd look at everybody and they'd try to talk to me. And I was just ridiculous. And I wouldn't admit I was an alcoholic. I would just say, I'm Roxanne and I'm just here because I don't know why I'm here. I mean, just silly crap. If I could go back and kick my own butt, I would. (laughs) But, you know, in that moment, I relate to that so strongly because I was the same way, you know, I mean, I think that's the story for a lot of us coming in is that, you know, that fear of being in there and then it shows up as disgust and Mm -hmm. total inapproachability. And I had no idea how to meet life on life's terms. I had no idea how to function without my drink and hear these people that that's what bothered me is that they were really happy. And I was like, still full of ego and believing everything was about me. I was like, well, if they knew how bad my life was, they wouldn't be laughing. It's like, everything was about (laughs) me. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't trust the laughter, really. It was Mm -hmm. like, what are they laughing at? One time I asked a group, how do you deal with the shame of being an alcoholic? And they all burst into laughter. (laughs) (laughs) 
I still love a story of a, of a sponsee who uh, came to his first in-person meeting and was walking down the stairs into the basement and heard all this laughing and just like, this can't be the right place. Right. So what happened? Did you get a sponsor right away? Oh, of course not. That, no. you know, that, that, that would have been the right thing to do. But whenever I share my experience, strength and hope, I, I tell them, I said, you know what I did? Don't do it because that didn't work very well for me. But I could read the steps traditions, you know, on the wall. And I was like, yeah, and I could talk this great talk and it was wonderful and blah, 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 blah. And I was white knuckling it to the point where when I was three months sober, uh, this guy that I was dating, you know, because of course I got into a relationship early in sobriety because that's what people do when they're really healthy, you know, and we eloped to Vegas. So that's ended up so great. (laughs) It wasn't until after... We came back. He went back to using shortly after. It was not a good situation. We ended up, of course, getting a divorce. And I ended up selling everything. And I was going to move to California because my sister lived there. I was going to do the geographical cure. It just was in that point, too, where I finally hit a new bottom. So we got everything sold and, you know, I had my money and I had everything that I could fit in my little car. I was going to go to California. And that night, I just... It was something that I will never forget, no matter how many years I'm sober. I just started crying uncontrollably. I get goosebumps now when I talk about it even. I just sat on the floor and I'm just like, God, I will do anything. I can't live like this anymore. It was unbeknownst to me, you know, that I I took a third step there because I was ready to go forward. And I just said, anything you want, you know, I'll do. And so the next day I knew that there was a women's meeting that I had gone to before. And so I came to this meeting and it was just crazy because the first time I started hearing people talk about recovery and being recovered and not having to fight this obsession anymore. And I'm like, where was I? I didn't hear any of this before. (laughs) Wow. You hadn't heard it. It's gone right over. Right. How long had you been in at this time? Almost a year. Uh But it was at that meeting that I met the lady who ultimately saved my life, who I went up to her and I just said, will you be my sponsor? And she looks at me and she goes, no. I just was like, what? What? I just, I knew that if she wouldn't have said yes to be my sponsor, I knew I was going to go back to drinking. I knew I was going to die. I mean, either I was going to kill myself drinking or other means because there was no way. And and I said, no, you don't understand. I, I need you. I, I need your help. And she looked at me and she, can't, and she said, well, she said, one, you got to, there's a couple of conditions. And I thought, oh, here we go, of course. But I didn't care. I said, well, what, what are they? I'll do anything. She said, one, she said, don't waste my time because there are women dying of this disease. You know, I've seen you in meetings. I've watched you. You know, if you're not serious about this, I'm not working with you. I'm like, okay, I'll I'll do anything. And then the second she said, you have to carry this message to others. You have to promise that when you have this miracle of healing, that you share this with others. And so that's ultimately why I'm here today, you know, because, I mean, it's amazing how God works. I don't believe in any coincidences. I believe they're God'sidences. So that seed was planted then, and 20 years later, I'm here with you guys. So yeah. it's really cool. It really is. So now, is that sponsor the uh, the one who gave you that special thing on the shelf behind you? Yes. Yeah, I, yes, I yes, see yes. a nesting doll there. This It's a Russian nesting doll. And when I would go to my sponsors, of course, we needed to work through the steps, but I was a little defiant and... <laughs> 
even though I had promised I would go to any lengths, there were things that I held on inside of me. Any lengths, but not that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She said, you know, the steps are what, what we do ultimately is we get to the core and inside of it, there's one about this big. And she explained to me that that's how we get to the root of our troubles. We get to our selfish and self-centeredness. So we have to peel away those layers. And it it made more sense when I wrote up my fourth step, because I was like, okay, all of these layers, let's see, you know, she's going to help me. I don't have to do this alone. And then we established patterns, you know, and we did my fifth step and it just was really helpful. And it's still something that I use when I sponsor women today, because it's for me, it was, it was such a visual. It's like, holy crap. She always told me it's an inside job. So you have to build yourself from the inside out, you know, to get to that. Because when I came in, I had two emotions. I was either angry or I cried. That was it. And, you know, I look at it now. It's like there's so many layers to people. There's so much more than just the outside, just the surface. Yeah, I've certainly heard about the layers of the onion for many, many Mm -hmm. years, but never would it have occurred to me (laughs) that stacking dolls would be a fantastic representation of that. Wow. Yeah, she's, she's an amazing lady. She's been sober for, I think it's 45 years now. So it's just like, just to have her and then the other people that I met through her and then so on and so on. You know, you have this big family of, of people that supporting you. Sorry, it just, it's really, it's still, I would start, like, get choked up about it. Yes. What's one of the steps that you worked that seemed like it was crazy, but once you did it, you've discovered how much sense it makes? All of them? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All but the first step? Six and seven. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove these defects of character. And seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Yeah, my sponsor follows a big book and that's, you know, how I sponsor as well. But, you know, after I was done, I, you know, I went and I sat for an hour and I, mm-hmm. you know, made sure my arcway was so I could walk through that a free person and so on. Six and seven, I think are the neglected steps. That's just my opinion because I have defects of character. I, and these are things that I was told when I was younger, well, you know, just do better, just be more, just whatever. And the only one who could take those away is God. And it's also on his timing and not mine. And that's sometimes very frustrating to me. So <laughs> I get it. I'm working six and seven with my sponsor right now. And one yeah. of the things he continues to drive home about these things is if they were not out of whack, if they weren't out of balance, mm. then they would just be characteristics. Mm. But out of balance, they yeah. become character defects. And that really just sticks with me. That is good. Yeah, I thought that my character before I came to AA was my intentions, the good works I'm planning to do. I don't know. I was thinking your character was Droopy Dog or something like that. (laughs) What character are you? (laughs) I think of when, you know, you asked me about, I guess, early sobriety. And there was another incident that I'll, I'll always remember. I was, you know, sober for over a year. So I was thinking I was pretty cool. And I had the steps memorized and the traditions pretty well. And I could talk the talk. I was talking with a young girl after the meeting and she was a newcomer. She like maybe had three months or something. (laughs) I was thinking I was pretty cool. Mm. And she's like, yeah, you know, I thought the root of my troubles is alcohol and drugs. And I just said, 
yeah, yeah, me too. And she said, it's crazy reading the big book and finding out that it's not. And I'm like thinking to myself, well, what is it then? You know, I just, <laughs> and then she, she's, she, so I was like listening, you know, pretending I knew stuff. And she said, yeah, my, my sponsor is working with me. She said, it's selfish and self-centeredness. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I totally knew that. But even at that time, I think back to how, you know, I had such an ego I, I had no clue like about anything and just I'm still amazed today, you know, when I take women through the steps and that light bulb moment comes on, whatever it may be, and they're just like, oh my gosh, I totally get this. I, I can do this. Hey folks, just a reminder that we'd love for you to call in with your ask the old timer questions and recovery related jokes. That number is 212-870-3418. That's 212-870-3418. Also, if you use hashtag her in a meeting on social media, we may wind up reading your post on the show anonymously, of course. You can always write us at podcast at aagrapevine.org with comments, suggestions, and such. All this and more is also available at aagrapevine.org slash podcast. Okay, so I was always told, my sponsor always told me, she said, if you drink today, you're going to miss the best thing that's going to happen to you tomorrow. And I'm thinking, what does that mean? I mean, I, I'm, what's going to happen? You know, I figured I'd get a check or that somebody would drive up with a new motorcycle or, you know, something awesome. Or, and, and I wasn't doing anything that great. I was just at home and, and it dawned on me. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, that aha moment. I'm like, this is the best thing is that I'm sober, you know, and that I have a chance at life. And the crazy part is try to explain that to somebody else when you have that moment, you know, of clarity. And because people ask me like, you mean you're not going to drink for the rest of your life? I said, no, I'm just not going to drink today. Yeah. You know, just probably not the hour, not this minute anyway, and, and then probably not for the rest of the day. And that amazes me that, you know, the best thing today is that I drink as much as I want today. And they're like, what, what do you mean you drink as much as you want today? I said, well, the miracle of it is that I drink as much as I want today because I don't want to anymore. Yeah. And that was like, wow. Then people say, yeah, right. And I'm like, no, I, I really, I trade in the life that I have for all that misery and all that pain and all that agony. And, you know, I don't really want to. Yeah. And so that's, that's crazy to me still that I am, I, I'm far from perfect, but you know, the idea that that obsession has been removed in that. God can use me to work with other people. I'm still just floored by that. Like just, I had another a lady the other day who asked me to be her sponsor. And I still want to look at them and say, do you realize how sick I still am? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like. You, the, you, I, you haven't become a crusty old timer that goes, don't no. waste my time. No. They no. know first and then see how willing they are. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. She she was pretty desperate because you you just know you know what you know. <laughs> Perfect. You know, I love that when I talk about how sick I am today, mm. it's a recognition. I claim my progress. Wow. I am so much better than I was when I came into these rooms. I'm so much better than I was five years ago. Wow. But yeah, there's still plenty to work on. 
And that's that little voice in me that's like, do you realize what you're dealing with here? Who you're asking, what what you're getting into? (laughs) (laughs) But wow, you know, I mean, can 10 years ago, Roxanne, could that person have imagined who you are today? No, absolutely not. When I was first in college, I really wanted to be a college professor. That was, you know, really on my heart. I took a completely different route. And of course, you know, I was lucky to even graduate. (laughs) But going forward, when I was 18 years sober, I really felt that I wanted to go back. So, but for the grace of God, this May, I should have everything completed. I should finally have my doctorate. And that is because, obviously because of God, but Alcoholics Anonymous, because there's no way. So I get sad when people, you know, that don't know me that well, they know I'm sober, but they're like, were you still going to those meetings? I was like, yeah, I get to go to those meetings, you know, because that's where like the people that I, my friends at the meetings, and that's so my family at the meetings is more accurate. They are so excited and they are just my biggest supporters. They love me. They love my kids. They just when poop hits the fan, that's where I go. And that's where I celebrate like getting my doctorate. I mean, they're all on board. And, you know, like even talking on this podcast, they wanted to be on the podcast as well, because they're just really supportive. And when crap happens, like, you know, you lose people, they're there. I mean, they're, it's just, it's crazy. And I always thought it was just about drinking. This is a program for people who just want to stop drinking. This is for people who want to live and live lives that are purposeful. It's good. Yeah. The connection that I get with other alcoholics, Mm -hmm. those are the deepest bonds that I have made in this world because these people are me. They get me Mm -hmm. and I get them on a level that has, I've not encountered with any other people. Growing up, it was, uh, I believed I was loved, but it was a very conditional and and I still have never found Ah. a place where I'm so unconditionally loved is in the room of AA. If I go, I travel quite a bit, any state that I'm in, I mean, I I walk in and there's family, you Mm -hmm. know, just because I haven't met them. I love it. Like I I tell people, I said, it's like going to a family reunion, but you actually like all your family. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) It's good. Roxanne, so you were talking about six and seven and character defects, Mm -hmm. asking God to remove them. Can you think of an example of where you saw that you were acting out of a character defect and you worked the program on it. You gave it to God and saw a change. Absolutely. My sponsor suggested to me every morning that I get down on my knees and ask God to be with me through the day. And in the evening to get down on my knees and thank him for another day of sobriety. However, sometimes I get a little ego, which is still a character defect. And I think I'm still running the show and I won't do that. And I know on those days when I don't, I can get really snotty with people and it's not something I'm proud of, but it's something that I can recognize and I can stop and I can say, you know, God, please change my thinking. You know, the steps I always think, and it's got to be divinely inspired because they're laid out in such a way that if I do do something that's I'm not doing my 10 step, I can go back and I can make amends to somebody, you know, say, I'm sorry, you know, I was being a total meanie pants. (laughs) to make amends for that. If I could do the steps perfectly all the time, I wouldn't need AA. Yes. AA doesn't need me. People are going to have meetings. They've had them long before I came into the doors. They'll have them long after. I need AA. 
Well, Roxanne, I can see how people come and ask you to be a sponsor. You radiate <laughs> joy and serenity and recovery. And I appreciate you being on the podcast today. You know, this is a program of honesty. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think Don was being honest there. I, I think so. I know it's unusual, but <laughs> let me check. Let me check. Yeah, no. <laughs> Thank you. Claim your progress, Roxanne. You're awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Grapevine does not accept donations, but you can offer your support by making a purchase at store.aagrapevine.org or by the Carry the Message gift certificates to sponsor Grapevine subscriptions for alcoholics in need. That's store.aagrapevine.org. We're shipwrecked on a desert island, and you're my sponsor. I need you to come up with some survival tips. How about don't drink and let's get out of this hot sun? Help me make some shade out of these palm fronds. Hey, look what I found washed up on the shore. A magic lantern. Grab it. Your wish is my command. I want to go home. Presto. Donna. And for you? <laughs> I wish my sponsor was here with me. <laughs> it's really not that funny. Thanks for joining us. The AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour is posted every Monday and is produced by AA Grapevine Inc. We don't speak for AA as a whole. We share the experience, strength, and hope of members to help others recover from alcoholism. Podcast info, including how to call in, is at aagrapevine.org slash podcast. Find AA Grapevine on Instagram and the AA Grapevine channel on YouTube. All things Grapevine are available at aagrapevine.org. If you want to know more about AA, Google Alcoholics Anonymous and your city or visit aa.org.